Welcome to AM Now, where we bring you the trending accounting matters we're following. I'm your host, Adam Olson, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicole Harger and Matt Fisser. Each bite-sized episode keeps you and your finance and accounting teams in the know. Join us each week as we unpack these issues, topics, and accounting matters now. You're listening to AM Now, an accounting matters podcast. I'm your host, Adam Olson. And I'm Nicole Harger. Adam, welcome back. Thanks. It's always good to disconnect for a little bit and get some time away, but glad to be back in the studio with you. And on today's episode, we will be a little bit on the lighter side, as it seems the regulators are taking some extended time off from their July 4th holiday here in the U.S. But we'll start off by providing an update from the FASB on their recent proposed accounting standard on purchased financial assets. We will then briefly touch on key takeaways from the Private Companies Council's June meeting. And then we will wrap things up today on the international front, discussing additional sustainability responsibilities the IFRS will be taking on beginning in 2024. So Adam, why don't you kick us off by telling the listeners about the FASB's newest proposed standard update. Happy to. So right before the holiday, or the July 4th holiday, the FASB issued a proposed standard update to improve the accounting for purchased financial assets under ASC 326, the credit loss standard, or CECL as many know it. As part of the FASB's post-implementation review process, investors provided feedback regarding the accounting for financial assets acquired in a business combination or asset acquisition. Currently, if a purchased financial asset has experienced a more than insignificant deterioration in credit quality since origination, it is accounted for under the purchased credit deteriorated model, also known as the gross-up approach, with no credit loss recorded on acquisition. If the purchased financial asset has not experienced a more than significant credit deterioration since origination, it is accounted for in a manner consistent with the originated financial asset where a day one credit loss is recorded in addition to any credit discount reflected in the fair value of the acquired assets. Investors and stakeholders believe the existence of two accounting approaches causes complexity and impacts comparability, and the non-PCD accounting that results in a day one credit loss expense for non-PCD assets is not intuitive. The FASB seem to agree, and their proposal provides a uniform approach for purchased financial assets that would provide better financial information and be more in line with their intent when creating the initial credit loss guidance in ASC 2016-13. Yeah, the proposal would require acquired financial assets that are seasoned to be accounted for using the gross-up approach, which assumes that financial assets acquired in a business combination would be presumed seasoned and therefore the gross approach would apply to them. For financial assets acquired in an asset acquisition or recognized through a consolidation of a VIE that is not a business, the proposed standard would require entities to apply seasoning criteria to identify those assets that are economically similar to originated assets and therefore would not qualify for the gross up approach. <laughs> So the good news is the FASB did provide bright line criteria when determining whether a financial asset is seasoned, specifically a time-based threshold of 90 days and a qualitative assessment of the entity's involvement with the origination of the financial asset will need to be performed. Financial assets acquired within 90 days of origination would be accounted for in a similar manner to those originated by the acquirer. On the other hand, financial assets acquired more than 90 days after origination would be deemed seasoned and therefore would be accounted for using the gross-up approach 
if the acquirer was not involved with the origination of the assets. Clear as mud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the FASB also provided examples of factors an acquirer needs to consider when performing their qualitative assessment of their involvement in the origination of the acquired financial asset. Specifically, the FASB suggests acquirers to consider their direct or indirect exposure to economic risks and rewards of ownership before the acquisition, the contractual terms of the transaction, and the existence of funding arrangements between the acquirer and the originator, just to name a few. If finalized, entities would apply the amendments on a modified retrospective basis to all prior periods presented for which an entity has already adopted CECL. If necessary, a cumulative adjustment would be recorded as of the later of the beginning of the reporting period the entity adopted CECL or the beginning of the earliest period presented in the financial statements. Comments on this proposed standard are due by August 28th. Moving along, we have a quick recap of the recent Private Company Council or PCC meeting held near the end of last month. During this meeting, members of the PCC met for two days to cover a variety of accounting and re reporting matters. These included discussions focused on several proposed accounting standard updates and their applicability to private companies. Specifically, they covered the proposed accounting standard update on the improvement for income tax disclosures, the proposed accounting standard update for improvements in response to the SEC's release of disclosure and simplification updates, and the proposed accounting standard update on profit interest awards, including their scope. As a whole, PCC members were supportive of the proposed updates and highlighted the need to ensure relevant stakeholders are informed of these changes when finalized. The PCC also focused their meeting further discussing and hearing presentations on the accounting and disclosure of software costs, the definition of a derivative, lease implementation, and stock compensation disclosures, the last of which is a PCC-specific project focusing on whether different disclosure requirements should exist for private companies, with both the PCC and the FASB indicating continued research is needed around the matter. The next meeting of the PCC is tentatively scheduled for later this fall in September. And finally, on our last AM Now episode, we highlighted the significant achievement of the ISSB in finalizing their first two sustainability reporting standards, IFRS S1 and IFRS S2, spearheading the global baseline for sustainability reporting. Again, IFRS S1 provides a set of disclosure requirements designed to enable companies to communicate to investors about the sustainability-related risks and opportunities they face over the short, medium, and long term. And IFRS 2 sets out specific climate-related disclosures and is designed to be used with IFRS S1. This week, we have additional news as it relates to the IFRS, with the IFRS Foundation being asked to take over the responsibility of monitoring the progress on companies' climate-related disclosures from the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, also known as TCFD. As some background, the TCFD was established back in 2017 at the request of the Financial Stability Board and the recent IFRS S1 and S2, now fully incorporating the recommendations of the TCFD, it is viewed as the culmination of the purpose of the TCFD, making it a natural segue for the IFRS Foundation to inherit this responsibility going forward. 
Therefore, beginning next year in 2024, when the ISSB standards start being applied around the world, the IFRS Foundation will take over these responsibilities from the TCFD. And that rounds us out for this week. For a deeper dive into what's trending in accounting and finance, check out our other podcast on the Accounting Matters feed on your preferred listening platform. Again, I'm Adam Olson. And I'm Nicole Harger. Thanks for listening to AM Now. We'll see you next week. While many U.S. public companies are awaiting the SEC's final climate-related disclosure rule due out later this fall, U.S. reporting companies shouldn't turn a blind eye to developments overseas with the EU's Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive bringing requirements that may impact domestic U.S. companies as well. Be sure to check out our on-demand webinar, CSRD, Why U.S. Companies Should Care, for more information on how this may impact your reporting entity. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Embark makes no representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in the podcast series, and it should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. Information discussed in our podcast may also be superseded by new guidance or as new interpretations emerge. Listeners are cautioned to carefully evaluate any relevant subsequent authoritative guidance issued.